What's up guys? Before I get into today's episode, I wanted to take a moment to tell you about Anchor. Have you ever considered making a podcast of your own? Because Anchor has all the tools you could possibly need to create a podcast within its website and app. When you host a podcast on Anchor, it makes it super easy to post it to platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more. I use it and it makes posting it to like all of the streaming platforms just so easy. And it's totally free. You do not have to pay anything for this great service. So if starting a podcast is something that interests you, definitely check out anchor.fm on your web browser. That's anchor.fm. Or you can go to the App Store and download the Anchor app to get started making your own podcast today. Hello everybody, I'm your host Patrick, and welcome back to another episode of Not Adding Up. This week, I have another very special guest along with me for the episode. I have my father, Tom, to take along on the ride. Thank you, Patrick. Pleasure to be here. I'm excited and, like everybody else, a little bit nervous. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's definitely weird. Your first time getting into a podcast and just recording yourself for so long. The only business I really have to attend to before getting into the case this week is that I have a new logo for my podcast, so it might look a little different, but this is the same, not adding up that you've always known. I practiced and played around with graphic design the past week or so and wanted to do something that fit what I wanted to do a little more, because I did my first one on Canva, and it's not the most customizable on that. So this week's case is the tragic death of Debbie Collier. And before I get into this case, this is kind of like a post-editing edition, but I just wanted to give a shout-out to Crime on the Record podcast. Those are the individuals who hosted Amanda on their show and interviewed her. So, Jason and Candice, thank you for giving Amanda that platform to kind of clear her name and speak out against any unnecessary suspicion against her. So without that show, I wouldn't have had as many sources or as much to go off of to make this episode. So thank you for not only doing that interview with Amanda, but for getting back to me and giving me permission to cover this episode, as this is really not a typical case for me. Debbie Marie Collier, 59, of Athens, Georgia, passed away on September 11th. 2022. Born on September 2nd, 1963 in Alabama, she was the daughter of late Eugene and Mary Todd. She was a loving wife, mother, sister, grandmother, and friend. After a long career at Athens First, she went to work at Carriage House Realty, where she found a whole new group of friends. The joys of her life were her grandkids and growing various plants, and she will be missed by all. This is an excerpt from the obituary of Debbie Collier, who was found deceased on September 11th, 2022, in the woods near Tallulah Falls in Habersham County, Georgia. The circumstances leading up to her body's discovery have left police and the public at a loss 
And before I get more into that, I want to talk a little bit about Debbie. Debbie is remembered for her Southern charm. A high school friend of her son describes her as, quote, the classic Southern mother. Her daughter Amanda remembers how much Debbie loved to cook, especially around the holidays, and Amanda says that Debbie was full of life and one of her biggest supporters throughout her life. A quote from Amanda, I have struggled a lot in my life. I have had tragedy, and my mom was always there with the right thing to say. She let me know that I was not alone in this world. At the time of her passing, Debbie lived in Athens, Georgia, where she worked in the city as an office manager at a real estate company. She had taken the week off prior to her passing and was supposed to return to work on Monday, September 12th, the day after her body was discovered. So in order to understand what happened here, I'm going to take you back a little. So the week before her passing, as I mentioned, she had taken off work. Not very much is known about this week, or at least reported on. However, her daughter, looking back, notes that she was giving away a lot of items, and this kind of strikes her as a little odd, kind of looking back on it. Amanda said that her mother would share some key intimate things with her on the days leading to her passing. She recalls a conversation where she was joking with her mom about having to go back to work on Monday, to which Debbie replied that she couldn't wait. However, the way she did so seemed depressed to her daughter. Kind of just like didn't sit right with her. It wasn't like a joking, like, oh yeah, I can't wait to go back to work. It was like her not hiding the fact that she was upset pretty well. In fact, she had gone to lunch with Amanda and her boyfriend, Andrew, the day before she disappeared. And she seemed upset, but she wasn't telling Amanda anything that she was upset about. She wouldn't really get into it. And I'm just going to take this opportunity to say that hindsight is always 2020. So while it's easy to like maybe look at Amanda and be like, well, why didn't you do something about it if you thought that she was upset? You can, you're looking at these things and they make a lot more sense after the fact. If you look at it like you're looking at it and I'm looking at it, this woman is preparing for something. Okay, she's getting her, her life in order. She's getting everything put in the way she wants it to be done. But no. Do you see that in the moment? With somebody who is not ill and preparing to die? You know, if somebody's terminally ill and preparing to die, it's a natural thing for them to do that. But somebody like her? Ah, that, that, you, you, you're not going to see that. That's not the, it's not the first thing that comes to your mind. Exactly. Yeah, it's not the first thing that comes to mind. This behavior makes it seem like Debbie was potentially suicidal, but it doesn't appear that this is something that she struggled with in the past. So these signs wouldn't be very apparent to her loved ones if it's not something that's like been a problem or that she's struggled with. Uh, let me ask you something about the, 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 the suicide angle. And I don't know a lot about suicide kind of things, but it seems to me that most of the people who commit suicide don't put their life in order before they do it. If it is a suicide, it's very well planned out. And I see it. You know, I work in the prison system, okay? You will see when some people in the prison system really want to commit suicide, it's planned. They have, a, they just plan it out. Kind of like, sounds like what she's doing. I mean, it's common to like for people to give away their items before attempting or committing suicide. So that's like a very common thing and just like giving away things that you wouldn't necessarily like that you wouldn't give away that you would still need. It wasn't going into detail about all of the items that she did give to Amanda. So like we don't necessarily know how like 
essential these were to her everyday life. They could have just been some things that she liked, and she was like, oh, why are you giving this to me? Clean out her house. You know, I don't need this anymore. That, you know, you should have. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to get into a little bit of a timeline of Debbie's final days. On September 9th, a neighbor would hear a commotion coming from the Collier's... The Collier's... Collier's. I don't know why it always trips me up. Coming from the Collier's home. And I wasn't able to find too much on this, but it was reported in a few articles adding more mystery to the story. But it was just described as a commotion in all of the articles. And it doesn't even say police were they called to the... It doesn't, it doesn't seem like they were. Was it a two... Per, I mean, was it a two-person? It's that part. No, no details. No details of who you know who was involved other than her. It seems like it seemed like it was an argument of sorts. We would need to know more for it to be of use. I would think if it was a man, and unless she, was she married, she was married. Okay, never mind. I was going to say if it was a man, and she wasn't married, it might be a thing. But if she was married, then that might be that's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. On September tenth, Debbie would leave Athens in a rental car because her car was in the shop, and drive to a family dollar in Clayton, Georgia. Clayton, Georgia would be over 50 miles from... Five zero. Five zero. It says there are 64 miles from Clayton to Athens, but she was going from like a specific place in Athens to a specific place in Clayton. All right, so it, did you say she was supposedly going to a family dollar? She was going to a family dollar. Okay. We have CCTV. Alright, so let me ask you a question. Why drive fifty miles for a family dollar? I'm sorry, I think Athens is is a is a nice place, okay? I think it's a college town, but it's a nice place. Why do you drive fifty miles to a family dollar? Yeah, it's clearly something's wrong here. My opinion, she drove there so nobody in that family dollar ever recognized her. She had no chance of being recognized by anybody. It's so far away. Whatever she's doing, whatever she has planned, she's not giving it up. She's not going to the local because somebody might see her. Yeah, no, that definitely can make can make a lot of sense for this. But we have we have footage. We have more information of what she was doing there. So, at the time of her going into this family dollar, it said that she just had her phone in her driver's license was still at the house. She left her purse and credit cards. So it's like up in the air if she had her debit card with her or not, but seemingly she did unless she would use some sort of like electronic payment. Is there CCTV footage? Yes. Of her coming out? Yes. With something in her hands? We know exactly what she bought. Okay. Okay. So she, can be, she, she is seen in the shop from 2.55 p.m. to 3.09 p.m. Among the items she purchased were a red reusable tote bag, a blue tarp, a poncho, and a lighter. She would then return to her vehicle and sit there for about 10 minutes. What she was doing in this 10 minutes would add so much confusion to this 59-year-old mother's case. At 3.17, she would Venmo nearly $2,400 to her daughter Amanda, along with a very eerie message, quote, They are not going to let me go. Love you. There is a key to the house in the blue flower pot by the door. You know, going back to it, she was sitting in the car, and she sat there for how long? It says like about 10 minutes. What do you think she was doing? Thinking. Like if this is if she's having a mental break, like I think. And if it's not a if it's not a mental break, then she's gathering the strength to do what she thinks she needs 
to do. I mean, I would still consider that a mental break. Any like suicide is a mental break in my opinion. I don't disagree. But l- let's continue because I got I have an idea. Amanda was stain cleaning the carpets of her home, so it was almost two hours before she would see the message around 5 p.m. Her and her mom normally talk back and forth all day, so she had taken a break from cleaning and checked her phone. She said that she got a weird feeling of sorts, which is what kind of prompted her to check her phone. And there's a lot of speculation surrounding when she would call 911, but we're going to get into that because it's definitely like Amanda is turned into a suspect very quickly in this case. Amanda says that immediately after trying to get a hold of Debbie, her mother, that she called her stepfather and Debbie's current husband, Steve Collier. And she says that she was screaming and yelling at Steve. She was saying, where's my mama? Where's my mama? And she went over there and they got together and talked about the situation and made the decision to call the police to report her missing. And I'm going to insert a little bit of the first call. Yes, uh, came on, my wife was at home, her driver's license still in there, the rental car is gone, and her daughter's here, and we were kind of worried about what's happening and where she's at. I was wondering if you could send somebody over here. Okay. Do you have any medical issues? Is she like Alzheimer's or something like that? Uh, no, no, she's uh, 59 years old. No, she has no medical issues until like that. And according to her daughter, who went up and uh, her purse is still here with her driver's license. The only thing is the phone is gone, and she sent her daughter a text about two hours ago saying, they won't let me go. Whatever that means, we don't know. And I've been gone all day parking cars for the football game, and, all, and what, that's what, where we're at. What's your address, sir? So that call is about... It's about five minutes, and after he asks his address, he gives his address and gives more information, kind of repeats details. But that seems like a very typical 911 call to me. He's confused. He's not overly worried because it's a full-grown woman. Uh, no. He's not overly concerned. It's kind of like proper concern because mm-hmm. there's a lot of floating pieces out there that don't... Don't add up. Don't add that. There you go. That don't add up. And especially if... That's not a consistent behavior for me. I leave my phone someplace. I leave my wallet. That's not a big deal. But if somebody is does not do that, and it's an unusual behavior, that's a reason for concern. The most, yeah, I guess it is unusual behavior because she sent that money. When they say, "This is here, this is here," blah blah blah, her phone's not here, but all this is here, it tells me that if she goes out, all this is usually not here, unless she's going mm-hmm. down to the corner market, you know, kind of thing. But there's a little concern because there's too much stuff there that she usually doesn't do. So this call was made the night of September 10th, the same night that the same day that she went to Clayton, Georgia. But at this point, we don't know that because she hasn't been reported missing. So the day after she was reported by her husband to be missing under suspicious circumstances, Habersham County Sheriff's Office located Collier's presumed rental vehicle, a black Chrysler, parked off the road near the woods close to Tallulah Fall. A ground search of the surrounding woods quickly turned up some upsetting evidence, and I'm going to give a trigger warning. Honestly, I haven't had to give a trigger warning for the last few episodes because we haven't really had anything anything too, too upsetting. Before they found Debbie's body, officers would first find the red tote Collier had purchased from the family dollar, just like pieces of it, not the entire tote. Deeper down the woods, 
they found a partially burned blue tarp, and then they found Debbie's body. Debbie's body was found partially naked with signs of charring on the stomach. She was holding what was described as a small tree in her right hand, and in the weeks following her body's discovery, Debbie's case was very much so viewed and investigated as a homicide. Shortly after police found her mother's van, Amanda Bearden arrived in a hysterical state at the scene. Investigators wrote, she started screaming that the van belonged to her mother and that she was just in hysterics. She, and a lot of people were suspicious at the fact that she got there so quickly and some say that she might have even gotten there for law enforcement. I believed that she was asked if her mother would have any reason to be in a certain area by one of the police officers or somebody in law enforcement and Amanda rushed to that area. Either way, Amanda learned of a county where her mother was potentially, where she was potentially located and she rushed there and she says that she uses Waze, which tells you where police are and she saw that there were police notifications near a campground and she was also headed to it like a campground she i think that what happened is the law enforcement contacted her and was like does your mother have any reason to be at a campground in clayton georgia or a campground in this county that and makes she, sense because they she, don't know anything yes and she said oh my gosh i'm going to rush to that county and i'm going to look for campgrounds and she saw a campground and she saw police by the campground on ways and she pulled up that makes sense. A question. Did they, it, I, I might be jumping ahead, but the stuff that they had, did they test it for anything? Like, like what, what was, what were they all used for? Other than so, a tarp, obviously. Other than a tarp. So that's a good question. And that's something that like the actual investigation isn't really that public. Like what they were doing, what is known is that she was found in like September 11th. And her autopsy was not released until November 18th. So there was all that time where it was being deemed a potential homicide and they were looking into suspects. They were looking into Amanda. They looked into Amanda and her boyfriend, which we're going to get into. I don't know exactly what they were doing, but honestly, it seems like they were, they were taking it very seriously and that they were not letting evidence like slip through the crack. What I'm hearing is that the information I'm asking about is not available. Probably done because this, there's a lot of stuff. If I was a policeman kind of thing, it would pique my interest. And I think you're right because until a case is solved or they determine something, everything's going to be... But see, we do have a conclusion mm -hmm. that they gave. We're going to get to it. We were talking about how she arrived so quickly at the scene. And I believe her story 100% and see nothing sketchy about her behavior in this regard, and Amanda reports having a pleasant experience with law enforcement, despite even at one point being a suspect, which, like I said, we'll get into. Quote from Amanda, law enforcement was so good to me. I have been on the other side a few times, but Habersham County changed my opinion of law enforcement. She also says that law enforcement was very fired up about the case, and the officer she spoke to genuinely acted like it was his own mother that was found. She had no bad words to offer about law enforcement in this case, and I think that is very important, especially after the fact that she was considered a suspect. You know, being a suspect only means that they have to rule you out. Because they're going to rule a lot of people out there. Before you start saying this, okay, so she was not only an official suspect with the police, but she was getting ruthlessly bullied online. And everybody, like, she is a internet celebrity. Every, like, a lot of people are accusing her. A lot of people think she did it. A lot of people are saying awful, awful things to her. 
Oh, okay. So it's not just like she needs to clear her name of the police. It's like she needs to clear her name of the public, of everybody. Right. And sometimes the police have to clear people, okay? They don't think they did it, but they, they have no, to absolutely. prove that they don't did that's clear very them. It would seem that they have to clear her. Yeah, I don't think that's a big deal. I don't think the fact that the, the police had to clear her is I a big deal. I would love to know why everybody's picking on her online now. Because she got sent $2,400, and they, she was the last person. And because, as we'll get into, she has a criminal record that really, it's like, come on. All right, I'll wait, I'll wait, because I can't wait to hear this. So, yes, she was looked into as a suspect and cleared, and the real issue and the real thing that's getting to her is the Internet. And it's every, she's trying to grieve her mother. And everybody is coming at her with these awful, awful accusations, and she can't even grieve in the proper way. And she went, like, she went willingly, and it's known that she went willingly to submit her DNA to answer questions. And a quote from her, if you don't believe me, I mean, y'all harass the cops enough, call them. I don't know what to say to you. That's your problem. Another quote from her when she said, this is a quote that she said that she told the police. And she said, I want to give you my DNA. Take it. I don't want an attorney. Take my DNA. Which is like... I don't want an attorney. I wouldn't. I would never be saying that if I'm being investigated. That's for damn sure. And especially if you have something to hide, even if it's not related to the case. There you go. Yes. Don't give good them, point. Don't give them any fuel. Nada. Yes. No. 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 So, but the fact that she said, "I don't even want an attorney. I'm not worried about anything. Like I have, I'll give you everything." And I'm going to actually. We should probably we'll do that now because we're talking about how she was suspected and. Mm -hmm. One of the things that was she was suspected of was scripting and acting out her 911 calls. Just like basically like a psychopath. And we're going to get into that more. We're going to get into her response to that. But for now, I want to leave us. I want to play Amanda's 911 calls. And you'll be able to tell that they were made the day after. The night of September 10th is when Steve called the police. And we already listened to that one. This was made the following day, and you'll be able to tell when you listen to it. And it is a bit longer, so bear with us. Um, hi, um, my name is Amanda Bearden, and um, I filed a missing persons report on my mother last night, uh -huh. or yesterday, excuse me, and I was just wondering if maybe I could speak with the detective that's been assigned to her case. Do you have any further information? I sure do. Um, I mean, do you want do you want the case number? Okay, I mean, I, I the case number so I can look it up. Yeah. I'm sorry, his the handwriting is not that great, but it's zero nine one zero zero two one six. Sorry about that. I think I missed. You're fine. It's only me. On Rocky Drive. Yes, ma'am. Okay. And what kind of update do you have? Just so I know what to try to. Oh no, I, I I'm sorry. I didn't mean like I had an update. I just said. Oh, oh my God! I didn't mean. I, I'm sorry. I I'm not in a clear mental state. I'm just my mother that's missing. Um, I just I just wanted to talk to them. I wanted to see if maybe there was something that I could do. I do have the rental agreement number if they needed that. Um, I mean that's the only thing that I I have to offer. But maybe because she was in a rental car, I do have her rental agreement number. They could maybe trace the GPS in it. Okay, what's your phone number? I'm her daughter. Yes, ma'am. Take a deep breath on me, okay? I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. I'd be upset to you. I completely understand that part, like, being upset about it. Um, so, the officer that took your report is already gone for the day. Um, 
he worked last night. And then the detectives, I don't think they're in the building right now. They're kind of working on an on-call basis, so I don't know that I can get in touch with them unless I have something, you know, fresh to give them, and that would be something. But I can see if I can get another officer to call you back, okay? Um, we've got the bolo out for we're like we got everybody you know keeping their eyes peeled for and that kind of thing so um um I, i'm not trying to be a smart aleck here or anything but do i need to hire a private detective maybe because i i i mean and i'm not trying to be ugly or anything but it, 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 i don't understand why some i mean I, I know you don't know everything of course but why it hasn't what i've asked being done, like why isn't the GPS in your van being traced? Do I do I need a private detective to do that? I mean, I just I don't. I'm not trying to be ugly or anything. I know. I, I just the most help. Okay, so here's the thing. She's she's an like what what is she? she's an adult. Okay, right. so that makes things a little more difficult because people are allowed to leave and go and do things without telling other people. And I know that's not a good answer. I understand that. But that is also, you know, that is also part of it because she is an adult. So it just, it just takes some time also to do these things. And so I don't, I don't specifically know what they've done yet or not. I wasn't here last night, so I don't know. But, um, from my understanding, they would be doing everything that we know to do currently. But I will definitely get somebody to call you back, okay? Okay, thank you for talking to me. I, I, it's no problem. I'm so sorry. I, I hate that this is happening to you. What was your name again, sweetie? Amanda Bearded. Amanda Bearded. Spell your last name? B-E-A-R-D-E-N. Okay. All right, I'll get somebody to call you back here shortly, okay? Thank you so much. Right, thank you. Bye-bye. Please. Hi, can I speak with Colonel Johnson? Okay, I don't have a Colonel Johnson. Okay, um, he he just called me. Um, I I just I have some more information for him, and I I just I wanted to get it to him. Um, my name's Amanda Bearden. Okay, okay. All right, hold on one second. I talked to you earlier. So, uh, was that yes. Sergeant Johnson, we had you talk to you. Hold on. Sergeant Johnson, I'm okay. sorry. No, that's okay. Um, lots of Johnsons around here, so I want to make sure I got that. I, I get it. <laughs> uh, you just need him to call oh, you yeah. back? Uh, yes, ma'am. I, I just, I thought about it, and I have her iCloud information. I, I know that it, it's, a, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if the phone is turned off, it would still track her. Um, but I, I do have her I've got her Apple ID and what I thought was her password, but the password isn't working. I, I don't know if y'all have technology or whatever, but I, I do have, I, I, I don't know. I'm just, I mean, you know. Uh, All right, hold on one second, okay? Hey, call me back. Okay, thank you. I think it's a good thing to start by saying if she was acting throughout all of that, then she needs a fucking, like, Oscar or Emmy or whatever. That's, they, that's that's an Oscar-winning performance, unless she's a trained actress, which she is in no way, shape, or form. I don't think. I just think we need what we can take away from this is that Amanda Bearden is absolutely panicked as she's doing anything she can. She's trying. She's saying, "Why aren't you doing what I asked? Why aren't we doing the GPS? 
I thought about this apple thing. Yes, it just seemed like she was trying to do anything she could to help. She thought of something. She was like, maybe we can use the iCloud. She is being as helpful and cooperative as she can. And she's even like trying to apologize to the woman who's helping her because she is obviously frantic. And she's like, I'm not trying to be nasty. I'm just like, should I get a private investigator? Like, what do I need to do to get my mother found? No, I no, I completely agree with that. She's she's doing something that a, a, a child would do in that situation because she doesn't know. All she knows is her mother's missing, and she doesn't know why. And she knows that she got twenty four hundred dollars. She's got this little snippet of the pre her her life previous to her missing. And she can't figure it out. Imagine what she's thinking. I can't imagine, especially talking every day with your mom and then having such a sketchy... And and then looking at this and trying to put together... She she doesn't know why. Am I missing something? Should I go back? Oh, I'm sorry. I have this. Is this important? Trying to put anything she can do to help them. So Amanda has a criminal record, as I mentioned. And her criminal record mainly consists of domestic violence incidents involving her boyfriend, Andrew. And it is also known that Amanda struggled with drug use in the past. However, at the time of her mother's disappearance, she was not using and had recently been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, something that has allowed her to get the help she needed and has contributed significantly to her well-being. So is she getting... So she was diagnosed and getting treatment for bipolar. Right. Yes. A domestic violence against her boyfriend. Any? So I am in no way trying to make domestic violence not seem like it's a big deal because it's definitely a huge deal. However, I don't think the media should have taken her history with her boyfriend and used it to insinuate she had something to do with her mother's death. Like, that seems like it's, I don't know, like, I guess technically you can say she does have a violent past. But that was the only thing in her past. Criminal history was domestic violence incidents with her boyfriend and drug possession and drug use charges and amanda comes straight out and she admits she said part of the problem was me because i wasn't diagnosed and she had no clue what was wrong with her all of those years i can imagine dealing with bipolar disorder and not being diagnosed with that bipolar disorder also runs in families she says that you can see in her first arrest that she was seven months pregnant and she lost her child amanda says after this she went off the handle because she had never lost anything and that her mother was the only person that was there for her at the time. Amanda says that losing her child is what really set off her bipolar disorder. And she also mentions that you typically have to be at least 20 years old to get the actual diagnosis. So it's something that can make, I don't know, it's like something that can be confusing for a lot of people in their younger years. Like, why are they feeling this way? understand that because younger kids you know, young kids are confused about a lot of things you know it's a natural thing sometimes she says she went through life not knowing what was wrong with her and another thing i wanted to include and just make a big star by this quote of amanda because i mentioned her drug use this is a quote from her i don't care what anybody has to say i made that promise to my mama and i'm going to keep it and the promise she's referring to is that she's going to stay clean and i believe fully in my heart that she will keep her promise to Debbie and that she will continue to stay clean. I always just like to take time to speak out against placing stigma on people who struggle with drug use because 
a lot of the times they can and they will and they do want to turn their lives around if you give them the opportunity to do so and the resources. And we have no reason to believe or speculate that she's not. No, 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 we don't. And that would have been one of the things that you would think would have been one of the first things that they would have done is to check that. Okay. To see if she was still using? Yes. I'm sure they did, the police. That's what I'm saying. So you don't have evidence. Mm-hmm. It would have come mm-hmm. out. You're right. you know yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, trust me. With the media, it would have been all over there. Like, because it still was. It still was. And the fact that it wasn't connected at all. To- no, no. They, 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 well, mm-hmm. You know, you and I talk about media some other day. But when it's not recorded, yeah. So, this is the first case, now that I've researched it for like a few weeks now, but this is the first case that I've actually cried while researching and watching Amanda's interview with her family. She went on a podcast which was hosted by one of her family members and just talked about the situation and tried to clear her name a little bit. And it really, really just broke my heart. A quote from Amanda from this interview is, I turned my life around and nobody is going to take that from me and I don't care what anybody has to say. So to that I say, Amanda, I'm sure you won't listen to this, but if you do, just know that I am very proud of you and I believe in you. And I know that your mom believes in you too. You know, there's a big F you right in the middle of there somewhere. Just give an F you to people who don't believe her or don't think she could turn her life around. There's the big one right there. There's a... In the interview, actually, we're going to get into one of her responses, and she that's essentially what she does is gives a nephew, but... So we're going to get into a few more things that people have been pestering and picking apart and tormenting Amanda about because they look so suspicious, and she clearly had something to do with her mother's death, and that was sarcasm. Another piece of evidence that really doesn't look too good for Amanda is that she moved back to Georgia just a few days before her mother's disappearance. She had been living in Maryland, close to her brother, before this. And she was asked on the podcast, what, so, what, why? And she says, I came back due to a number of things. First and foremost was, I missed my mama. Second is, my brother pretty much disowned me. And she wasn't really living extremely close. She wasn't living in the same complex as her brother either. So I think that she maybe thought it was going to be more of like a happy family like deal when it wasn't. She had leaks in her apartment. And there are other reasons why she wanted to move back. but. Those are the main ones, and at the end of the day, like, I don't think that... It, it would take us... Like, I think they said this in the interview, but it, it does take a special kind of stupid to, if you are going to do something suspicious, to move back and then just do it right away. Because if you're going to do this, it's got to be calculated, and it's not like she walked in the thing and decided... The fact that she said her brother disowned you, I can see that. Okay, I can understand where she thought that she would go up there, be with her brother, they'd be, you know, like you and your sister kind of thing. You know, Close, simpatico yes. kind of thing, right? It didn't work. Don't need to go into any more details. It didn't work, okay? And see, it takes a lot of courage to walk out of the house and move out and then go, not so fast, my friend. I got to go back home because I need to be here. That's a lot of courage. You don't plan a murder like that. It, I, it shows me that she has courage and that she has, she, you know, she loves her mother and that's she where to she, be closer to her mom. that's where she feels best. That's where she, in her core, feels best. And she's always, she said that she, like her mom has always been her best friend. She's always talked to her. It's been her support system through everything. So if you had problems, you know, if you had problems with, with, with your mother and I, 
I think the first place that you would go was with your sister, right? Because you're start comfortable. With you're with family, and they love you. All she did was the reverse. She went back to where she knows she was loved. And especially at the same time of dealing with this bipolar disorder being diagnosed and everything, yeah. She needed support. And the only place she knew that she was going to get it was her mom. Was her mother. And that, and that was a guarantee. And we already talked about this a little bit, but so scripted 911 calls. And there are some people online who are saying that her 911 calls was, was scripted and it was all an act. And I like died at her response to this. So after she asked that, she got asked that question. She just like sighs really loudly. She's like, <sighs> she cracks up in a can. I think it's like an energy drink or a soda. She just like cracks it up and loudly. And she waits a little bit and she goes, um, you're a sociopath. <laughs> because that's period. Like anybody who's going to look into that and read so far into that and say that about her, like I listened to her 911 calls and teared up. Like I heard a daughter who was panicking and was wanting to get her mom home. You know, there's a thing that thing that I've seen on the internet that, that it's about the American flag and people who don't respect the American flag have never been handed one, which means that your son or daughter died in battle. Okay. Nobody who's ever gone through what she's going through, they can't, they don't understand. So it's easy to criticize somebody until you are that person sitting with that happened to you, okay? Real easy to criticize somebody. Real hard to live through it. Yeah, that is just, yeah, it that's, pisses me off. Yeah. Oh, Patrick, being the old guy, Facebook and all that kind of stuff, I understand why somebody would put themselves to be criticized by people they don't know who they can punch in the face if, if they don't like what they say. You know, I don't understand why people actually listen to people that don't even know who they are. But it's, we live in an age where you can't avoid it. That I understand. I just wish that so many people wouldn't be destroyed by... By social media. Social, by people who don't know crap. Okay, but about them. it's easy, like, I don't know, that's easy to say and it's like an idealistic thing, but yeah. whenever you are in a situation where you go viral and you are on news channels across the entire country, mm -hmm. it's going to be a lot harder to avoid. And there's people who can get your phone number, there's people who can get your address, there's people who will absolutely harass you. I understand the world. So it's a little, it's a different I, between like just, ignoring a hateful comment and like living your life without getting harassed. I know, I understand the way the world is. Again, being an old guy, it didn't happen to me kind of thing. And I just feel badly for a lot of people who suffer unnecessarily. But I understand the world. I can't change it. It's the it's way it is. It's just a new way. Before I was, before, you know, they didn't have telephones kind of thing. You know, I, I get it. But it's just sad for, for a parent to see that sometimes. Yeah. We know that you and George Washington didn't have Facebook, Dad. Okay, I understand. <laughs> point, point made. <laughs> but Abraham Lincoln and I, we sent letters to each other. <laughs> so, one of the most important pieces of evidence that clears Amanda's name in this case is the fact that the FBI, at one point, seized the $2,400 and then gave it back to her, which is extremely uncommon. If they have any inkling or any reason to say that, like they very rarely give back evidence. If there's an inkling of impropriety in the transition of money from her mother to her daughter, they have or any malicious any suspect. reason to suspect that her daughter was involved in that transfer. Literally any reason they wouldn't they, have. No, they wouldn't have given it. They couldn't. F 
they couldn't find squat and you know and especially with her past too like i don't know like i think they would have used that to be like well we're not going to give her this money she's struggled no, with this that's what they cleared her with her past because they know her but they cleared her from that they looked at everything that they could find but they couldn't find a thing even with their past they had no options there which is a good thing that's a wonderful thing so the fact that fbi investigators looked into the case and felt that she could get the money back i feel like everybody else on the internet can calm the hell down and stop harassing amanda bearden about this case like can we please can we please just stop harassing her even if you're not going to accept the conclusion that i'm about to get into like let this woman grieve the loss of her mother mm -hmm. okay. in other words Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Yes. My dad doesn't like to cuss. <laughs> Me and my mom, blah, 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 blah. But that's something that my dad is not not like the rest of us. Unless there is a malfunctioning printer involved. Well, then there gets colorful. Then, then or all bets or the off. dog bites me. <laughs> the dog bets are off. But that was, yeah. Growing up, I only ever heard you cuss. when the, I, think I, I think that made its way into one of the episodes. <laughs> I think it did. I think Abby and I were talking about that. On November 17th, I think I said it was the 18th in the beginning of the episode, but nearly, well, that would be over two full months after her body was discovered, the autopsy was released by the Habersham County Sheriff's Office. And the cause of death was concluded to be inhalation of superheated gases, thermal injuries, hydrocodone intoxication and they ruled the death a suicide and her daughter amanda has also come to accept this explanation but wild speculation still runs rampant on social media and i think that honestly even a lot of my like true podcaster friends are going to be surprised to hear this episode of me being like i kind of agree with the police in this case with the evidence that they have they can't it has to because they can't, they can't rule harm aside too much evidence that leads with everything that's there my only question is that why i'm sorry there's a lot of easier ways to die than overdose with oxycodone and then burn yourself up in gas i, I don't okay, see that as one of the choices to commit no that's that's one of the things I'm going to get into. That's that doesn't really make sense to me, and I don't think the hydrocodone intoxication. I don't know if it was necessarily an overdose at all, because she was never she never had done any drugs. Debbie had never done any drugs. She took medicine for her back, mm -hmm. but it was a prescription. So I don't know about why that was in there. But the fact that first of all, we the red tote and the blue tarp that she purchased, and we saw her purchase and a lighter. I don't, I don't think, I don't know if they found the lighter, it wasn't mentioned, but was found burned. Like, I just, that seems did test, like, did, an, it's not even fathomable. Did they test for gas? I mean, did they find oh, like what, what traces of as gas the, as the accelerant? As the accelerant. No, the accelerant. that wasn't mentioned. Because that's one of the things that, you know. But maybe she was just thinking she, that, the pla that plastic is flammable. But no, but. But if she died, and oh, it was smoke oh. inhalation. And, but but didn't you say something else? What else was she the, had charring on her stomach? But it was in was it smoke? You could check that. Super uh, inhalation of superheated gases. Excuse me. Okay, superheated so gases, which could have been burning plastic. Burning plastic will kill you. It could have you. been like a lot that, of different like, things. I know that it's connected to cancer. But how? I'm sorry. How is she going to set herself on fire? First of all, I think the oxycodone is the preparation for the pain that she's about to, to do so she wanted to numb herself how'd she light herself up would she do light her clothes on fire that's a brutal no, I'd pour gas on myself no, and do that before yeah, I would do that, that it's 
that is definitely the biggest question mark in this case. Is second biggest. I think that's the, what's your biggest. Why did she send the message? No, because oh. we message? haven't talked about that. Okay. Why do you think she sent the message then? Because we really don't have an answer, I, I, but we have what her daughter give, thinks. Give your give give your opinion, and I agree with you on this. This isn't my opinion. This is the opinion of Amanda, her daughter, and she says that since she has came to her own conclusion that it was a suicide and she agrees with law enforcement. Her mother sent her that message to make it seem like a possible homicide to make it easier to to accept. Because mm-hmm. she has this happy-go-lucky memory of, like I said, the classic Southern mother who's always been there for her. Mm-hmm. Why would she want to, A, taint that image and B, why would you want to do it in a location where that location would forever be associated with this awful thing? So she thinks that explains, I can't remember if this was one of the podcasters or Amanda herself, but that would potentially explain not only what you said, she wouldn't be seen by anybody she knows, but she also isn't ruining an area for her family. Oh, and I I agree with that. All the planning she did leads to a rational mind making decisions she has to do something. There's not a lot of haphazard moves here. She drove You're right. out. She drove out 50 miles so nobody would know her. She did something. This was planned. Okay. She bought items that were. She bought items, and she was not distressed at the family dollar. The employees said that she was not acting distressed. She purchased the item. But my question, and this is a question that will never, ever, ever, ever be answered, is why? Is why? What? caused you the only thing that we have to go off of the only inkling is the fact that amanda was diagnosed with bpd and it runs in families and potentially there was an unchecked mental illness that's the only thing that i can think i don't know a lot about mental illness the only question i would have with that if somebody does have that undiagnosed or they still so rational that they can land that Detailed planning. Okay, does it, I see what does you're it asking. Feed it? Does it feed I into would, that? If you are suicidal, absolutely. I think that if you, when you're suicidal, you you are having in your own mind completely rational thoughts, and I think that you can have this like she did. She planned it all out because in her own mentally ill mind, she needs to do this, and these are all the steps that she has to take meticulously before she can do it. I got it. Because obviously you're never going to be aware. Well, you are somewhat aware, but like you're never aware to the full extent of how much your mental illness is making your thoughts completely irrational when you think they're rational. I can see the person who, if they have that, they think that having that illness diagnosed, treated or untreated, is really going to, being that her daughter was diagnosed, that she's going to see that her diagnosis and her mental illness is really going to put a crimp in her daughter and it's really going to negatively affect her daughter. I can see a thought process where... So you're saying she maybe try to hide it to protect her daughter. Exactly. Because and I can it, see that it also fits into the fact that she tried to cover up the fact that it was a suicide with the Venmo. There you go. There you go. She didn't want... No, she didn't want anything to be known about that. That makes sense. Because this is like typically the part in the episode where we have all the facts and while we're making our own theories and it's like a very dangerous and slippery slope to theorize about an individual's mental illness and that is really all we have to go on a few cases ago we had the Kaylin louder case but 
that one, we don't have a body, first of all. We don't have an autopsy, second of all. So it seems like it was a mental break or suicide, but we still had more to, we had more to, I guess, speculate on. To, to confirm or not confirm what you're thinking to any theory that you have no confirmation or 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 denial of that firm yeah something that i will say that i didn't think about at all while researching i'm like this is why i always have a co-host because they always think at least one question that i'm like what the hell like what was the accelerant what was the accelerant she had a small tree in her hand and like was she like and it didn't go into detail about how the land around her was like was she burning patches of grass like it won't light up like it was i don't know how and i don't know and believe me i'm not going to test this i don't know if you can like light grass on fire no no if you put your clothes on fire okay and the other thing is what was she wearing she was wearing a jersey she was wearing a i don't know if you could if you could actually shorts and a jersey because she just she died from the inhalation okay which is by the way in, in fires that's, the, that's what kills you most that's of the time. That's what kills you most of the time. Yes. So did she... You could have a lot of courage to light your... No. Go like... Light yourself on fire? No. I mean, so gasoline on yourself and throw a match? That's a little different, but just standing there and lighting yourself on fire? Uh, that doesn't... That... It definitely that's, is. That's... It's sick. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's hard to... It's hard to wrap your head around that, for sure, and like... I don't, I, I can't even make it make sense in my own head, but the reason I'm so inclined to go with the fact that the law enforcement was, that they did the job in this case is that A, that's what Amanda thinks. B, the, whenever I reached out to the family member, I, I couldn't get a hold of Amanda directly, but it was the ones who interviewed her. They asked me to, if I was going to cover the case, to not speculate and not make it seem like that law enforcement did it half-assed job if you've listened to my case i have no problem going into that i know that i see that so 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 what what you're saying is that law enforcement did everything in their power and the only thing they can come up they looked at every angle according to amanda there are some family members of her that don't feel as satisfied but they could be the same ones that were accusing amanda and honestly, it was like, I think it seemed like most individuals in the family, like all, most family members were like thinking it was Amanda, to the point where the family member that had her on the show was straight up with her. And he was like, I thought you did it. Whenever this, whenever we didn't have much information and things were still coming to light, I thought you had done it. And it seems like the one who has been the most vocal about this case has been Amanda. And she seems like she's the one that is the most deeply affected by it. Of course. So... Because she moved back to be with, to, to get the support of her mother. If down the road, if it's ever proved that she did that, that's Oscar winning right there. You're right. You said it before. That's an Oscar winning performance. That's a devious. Because I know I'm not, not mentally ill. Sick. Because I'm not a very emotional person. It really takes a lot to get to. Oh, <laughs> okay. I'm a pretty emotional person, but it takes a lot to get to me like reading about this like i'm pretty hardened obviously looking into all of these listening to true crime but just hearing her struggle to answer and like hearing the emotion in her voice in the interview and the 911 calls it oh, just hey. really it you, just breaks my you heart. know who you're talking to somebody your mother says is mr non-emotional she says i have no emotions and we all know that that's not true but i agree with you that when i listened to that i felt it and i don't get emotional about it 
a lot of things except commercials when you have kids and stuff like that. But but I'm not an emotional human being, and I look at things, I analyze things rationally in my mind. But yes, I felt the same thing you did. I felt that I felt the realness. Full in body chose. I did. I did. It's if you've ever been in a situation, something simple, you're panicked, or you're so emotional, and it just comes out in you, and you hear it. You hear somebody do it, you know it because that's you. There's it's something, your gut. and you you've experienced that personally, so you can hear it personally. Even if you don't know them, like I feel like no, you can. no, but you 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 because you know what, the way what happened to you and how you reacted, you can feel that. I agree with you. So while I don't have a very concrete conclusion of this case, like I don't know why she did this, I don't know. How I don't know how it happened, but I am inclined to believe that it was a suicide. And if you don't believe that, you are perfectly fine to do so and speculate all you want, but leave Amanda Bearden the fuck alone and let her grieve the loss of her mother and best friend. The fact that she has gone through all of this on top of losing her is just despicable. And it just makes me so mad. Take nothing away from this episode other than the fact that Amanda was not involved with her mother's murder, then with her mother's death, then I will be happy. Because that is really why I did this episode. I, because typically, I, technically, this kind of adds up. It, it, like, we. It does. But there's still. There's, there's a lot of questions that we still, still have. Yes, that. But Unfortunately, we will never get the answer to. We won't. But it, it adds up a lot more than a, my typical cases. Just please, please be respectful when talking about your theories online regarding Debbie Collier's death. And with that being said, I am interested to hear what you all think. If you disagree with me, let me know why. And I would like to hear more of a reason just because, like, it seems like it's foul play because it really does. It seems like it's foul play, but we have nothing, it no looks, suspects. It looks, the only thing that doesn't look foul play is the accelerant. Because if it's foul play, I'm using accelerant because I'm going to smoke that body. I guess you're right. That's like a, that's see, a huge thing that that's says a that big, there is no foul play. Because if, if, if somebody murdered, they're going to douse her, light her up, and let her go. But that doesn't seem, I don't know, like, if that, it doesn't seem like a murder. It doesn't. Because if you're going to murder somebody, you're going to do a little bit more damage it than doesn't. slightly burning it, their it, stomach. It doesn't. And there's no... Correct me if I'm wrong about this. You kind of can follow the timeline. You know, she went there. Now, now you don't know when from she like, got it's, I think it's from like 3.30 is when we don't know what happened. Like 3.30 p.m. September 10th. But she was... She committed suicide. She died. She kind of drove there. And she lit herself on fire. I'm sorry. Yes. Another thing is, if you're murdering it, you're not going to leave all this evidence around here. You're going to take her, light her up somewhere else where they have to find her. Yeah. You know, and you're you not going to let her go there. into a CCTV. You're not going to leave it. You're not going to do all this. Okay? You're going to hide this. There's nothing that leads to. There's nothing that... Other than the fact that it seemingly could be a murder plot. There's nothing. The hard evidence doesn't line up. With hard that. evidence and even... Comparing it to other crimes. And even the soft evidence would, would lead you, like I said, you don't you don't lead people down a path. There's nothing to lead people down any path. Either this was the a great murder 
Or was it suicide because there's nothing to lead you anywhere? The only thing that I would, if you would, <laughs> and I don't think this would happen because I really think it's suicide. If there's everything down in, you know, a few years, uh, some other state, some other thing, that you see something similar to this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If there is a similar body found. Now you're talking about serial a serial killer. killer. You're talking about a very MO. sick mind who has a great M.O., you know who who that, got, that's exactly as you were saying that that's exactly what i was thinking because you said that either this was an excellent murder or it was a suicide because if this was a murder it was a murder performed like without a single flaw by a genius, genius yeah, by a mastermind because you know there's especially now there's a lot of people you know you talk about a lot of people that do the true crime right so these crimes are going to be looked at not only by the police but by people like you and other people who look deep into it and trying to find it so if it was a serial killer that man is a mastermind or a woman and when they tend to be men but you're i agree but that is about all i have for the case of debbie collier and you are free to come to whatever conclusion you want but i like i said am inclined to go with law enforcement and amanda on this particular case which is a very tragic conclusion. Seems like one that has the most evidence pointing towards it. And I would like to take this time to point out again that there is a national suicide hotline. I think it's 988. Yes. So if you are in the United States, there is a national suicide and crisis lifeline that you can call anytime by calling 988 and there are numbers like this for countries all over the world, and I will include that in my sources for this week. If you guys want to connect with me and share with me your theories or give me any case suggestions, you can do so on Instagram at podcastnau. That's at podcastnau. Or you can look me up on Facebook, Not Adding Up. And I also have a TikTok, Not Adding Up. So if you want to get in contact with me, please do. I always love getting in contact with my listeners and hearing what they have to say about the episodes. I also wanted to thank my dad for being on this episode. Thank you, Tom. Patrick, that was shiznit right there. Oh, I, I, I enjoyed it tremendously. I'm glad that you enjoyed being on the show and your input was definitely some good some good points that made me think i definitely have to have you back on another case i look forward to it with all of that being said i hope that everybody listening is having a great morning afternoon or evening and i hope that you all tune in again soon for another case that just does not add up Thank you.